Good morning and praise the Lord. It's yet another beautiful day that the Lord has given us that we may be glad and rejoice in it. And I thank God for his sustenance in your life, his protection and preservation over your life. And I believe that you're going far by the grace and mercies of God in Jesus' name. Well, a couple of uh, Sundays ago, we began a teaching series on So Great Salvation, which we are going to be looking at in which uh, uh, constitutes the subject called salvation. We are looking at what salvation is all about. And we began a couple of uh, Sundays ago, like I said, we looked at uh, what it meant to have a physical salvation, what uh, it meant to have um, a spiritual salvation. According to the Old and New Testament, please, if you can, go back to the audio sermons and listen to them. There'll be a build-up. We'll be building up on this teaching. So I would highly recommend that you don't miss on any one of the episodes that we are releasing. But in a nutshell, we were able to define what salvation is all about. We were able to look at the verse that we know of, of John 3.16. We took an in-depth study of it and we discovered a lot of things. Like I said, I pray that you may be able to get a hold of those teachings they will be able to liberate you in jesus name so last su uh, sunday i laid a groundwork on the three tenses of salvation salvation is in three tenses we have the past tense of salvation the present tense of salvation and the future tense of salvation and we say that the past tense is where you have now been uh, uh, saved from the penalty of sin you have been saved, you and I have been saved from the penalty of sin. And then we said in the present tense, uh, salvation is where now you have been saved from the power of sin. You have now been saved from the power of sin. And the future tense of salvation is where you'll be saved from the presence of sin. The past tense, you have been saved from the penalty of sin. The present tense, you have been saved from the, the 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 power of sin and then the future tense you have been saved from the presence of sin and i want us to begin like we did last sunday looking at uh, uh, an, an exegesis an in-depth study of all these three tenses because they really matter in us understanding what salvation is all about and so today i want us to begin with the past tense going to be looking at a detailed study on the past tense of salvation. My key text will be in Titus 3 from verse number 3, and I'm going to read it for you. For we ourselves also were sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving diverse lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. But after that, the kindness, kindness of the Lord kindness and love of God, our Savior towards man, appeared, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Ghost, which is shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, that being justified by his grace, we shall be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. 
So the past tense of salvation, like we have said, is you have been saved from the penalty of sin. And as we begin to get an in-depth study, grab your Bible, grab your notebook, write the key points that the Spirit of God will shed light on and kindly go through them because you'll, uh, I believe you'll be getting a better understanding of what salvation is all about. So today we are going to look at the, the past tense of salvation and our concentration will be on what we call justification. Justification. Past tense of salvation, we're going to look at justification. So what is justification? Now, according to the dictionary, justification means the right and cause to be right. The right and cause to be right. The reason you are made right is what we call justification. It means a good reason for something that exists or has been done. It means the action of declaring and making righteous in the sight of God. In Christian theology, justification is God's righteous act of removing the guilt and penalty of sin and at the same time declaring the ungodly to be righteous by the sacrifice of Jesus. Let me repeat it again. Justification is God's righteous act of removing the guilt and penalty of sin and at the same time declaring the ungodly to be righteous by the sacrifice of Christ Jesus. There's a difference between justification and righteousness. Righteousness basically means uh, you, the ability of you and I to stand before God without sin or guilt consciousness. Righteousness is the ability of you and I to stand before God without uh, guilt or sin consciousness. Now, justification, we have said, is the act of God making you right before him. Let me give you an analogy. If I am a judge, I'm a righteous judge, and person A has been uh, brought into the courtroom, or for, for, for instance, you personally have been brought to the courtroom, and I'm the judge, and all the sentences that have been read are indeed against you. When I lift up the hammer to give a verdict of the case, but I drop down the hammer and I say, all these things that you have spoken, it's true, but I declare you free. My declaration of saying you are free basically means I have justified you, but I've not made you righteous. Now, the act of being made righteous is you agreeing with what I have said that now makes you righteous. So when God justifies the believer by the sacrifice of Jesus, now it's upon you and I to believe what he did on the cross on his son that now makes us righteous we must get to a place of understanding that justification is by faith i am justified not because i i do good not because i give in church not because i serve in church not because i have good behaviors and all these are very good very nice but i am justified based on the death burial and resurrection and when I accept what he did through his death, burial, and resurrection, now I am made righteous. We are going to look at that shortly in Jesus' name. Justification can also mean 
the act by which God moves a willing person from the state of sin, that is injustice, to the state of grace, which is justice. As you can see, this is not your work. This is the work of God. It is God that justifies. We can do nothing to justify ourselves. It is the work of God to justify you and I. That's why I love the message of grace. Justification can also mean the change in a person's condition, moving from a state of sin to a state of righteousness. When we, we, we were without Christ, we were in a state of sin. When we received the life of Christ, now we are in the state of grace. Now we are justified. The justification, like I said, means moving from a state uh, uh, from a state of sin to a state of righteousness. Justification is a legal term that means acquittal. Simply put, to justify is to declare righteous, to make one right with God. Justification is God declaring those who received Jesus Christ to be righteous based on Christ's righteousness, being imputed into the account of those who receive Jesus Christ as their Lord. Let me repeat it again. Justification is God, God himself, the Father, declaring that because you have received Jesus, you are now righteous. And based on the righteousness of Jesus being imputed in your account, you are now justified, you are now righteous because you have received Christ. I can qualify that with 2 Corinthians 5.21. The Bible says, For he, he, he had made him to be seen for us who knew no sin, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. This is what we call the substitutionary work of Christ. We exchanged. At the point of cross, at the point of the cross, when we, we got to the cross, there was what we call the substitutional work of Jesus. We exchanged. I received his righteousness. He received my sin consciousness. What a powerful statement. God made him to be seen for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. He made him to be seen for us who knew no sin. That is the work of God. According to the scriptures that we have read in 2 Corinthians 5.21. Now, it is not surprising that salvation is often viewed in legal terms. The basic question is in all religion is how can sinful people be made just? How can they be justified? How can they be acquitted? That person that has messed it up, how can he just be made right? That's the question that has always been in the mind of people. In religion, it points to the process whereby a person is declared to be right before God. That person should be an upright and a good person. But justification does not point to these qualities. God does not wait for you to style up. God does not wait for you to be okay. God comes for you. That is what grace is all about. God comes for you. Religion, you have to do something to come to God. Grace is God doing something for you without your consent, without uh, asking whether he can interfere with your life. That is grace. He died. I didn't tell him to die. You didn't tell him to die. He chose to die for you and I. What a manner of love is that. Now, it is very important to understand that there are some terminologies we shall be encountering as we are looking at what we call salvation. We shall be looking at what is sanctification, what is glorification, what is redemption. All these terminologies, keep them in mind as we study.
the topic of uh, salvation. Justification, let me say this, points to the acquittal of one who try, who is tried before God. And in both the Old and the New Testament, the question receives a good deal of attention. And in both, it is clear that people cannot bring about their own justification by their own efforts. The legal force of the terminology is clear when we look at several passages across the Old Testament. Like I've said, in the Old Testament in the, uh, and in the New Testament, there's a great deal of attention that, that people want to see. How is justification uh, uh, made to a human being? How, how can a sinful person be made righteous, be made, be justified, sorry, be justified? Let's look at some of these examples as we go. Let's go to the Old Testament and find some few scriptures and see how uh, 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 men in the Old Testament could not comprehend the thought of a God who is perfect, who is holy, who is just, could justify an unholy, ungodly, generation called the Israelites, called the people of uh, of Israel. Let's look at Job 13, 18. Job chapter number 13 from verse number 18. The Bible says, now that I have prepared my case, I know I will be vindicated. From this text we see, Job is uh, basing his own justification based on how he has prepared for a case to answer before God. And in the Old Testament, it was clear that there was a question in the hearts of men concerning them being justified. They would have this question, how, I know how I am. I know how sinful I can be. I know the far I can stretch myself in terms of the sinful nature. But how can a righteous God, how can a holy God, how can a God who is beyond perfection justify me, declare me to be righteous? Mm-hmm. Let's look at Job 11, verse number 2. Job 11, verse number 2. The Bible says, Should not the multitude of words be answered? And should a man full of talk be justified? This was a conversation between Job and his three friends when tragedy struck on Job's life. And again in Job 13, verse number 18 says, Behold now, I have ordered my case, my cause, sorry, I know that I shall be justified. He's still basing his justification on what he has done, on his works. And justification, like we're going to see in the Old Testament, is by faith. You just have to believe that God has justified you based on you receiving the life of Christ. How about Job 25 from verse number 4? How then can, can man be justified with God? Or how can he be clean that is born of a woman? According to Job and his friends and most of the people in the Old Testament, how they're asking this question, how can one who is born of a woman be justified by God? I can show you of the Psalmist, David. The Bible says in Psalm 143 from verse number one, the Bible says, Hear my prayer, O Lord, give ear to my supplication. In thy faithfulness, answer me, and in thy righteousness. Verse two says, And enter not into judgment with thy servant, for in, their, in thy sight shall no man living be justified. In other words, if I come with my good works, that I know how to pray, 
that I know how to tithe, that I know how to fast, that I know how to do religious uh, stuff. How can a man be justified based on those works? I'm reminded of what Isaiah says, that your righteousness is as filthy rags. Your own righteousness is, an, is as filthy rags. In other words, before the eyes of God, there is nothing you can ever do to obtain righteousness, to obtain justification based on your works. Isaiah had this to say concerning justification. Isaiah 43 from verse number 8, the Bible says, Bring forth the blind people that have eyes and the deaf that have ears. Let all the nations be gathered together and let the people be assembled. Who among them can declare this and show us former things? Let them bring forth their witnesses that they may be justified or let them hear and say it is true let them bring forth witnesses that's what is isaiah is saying let them bring forth witnesses that they may be justified so in the olden days in the old testament for you to be justified in some cases you had to bring forth witnesses like in a court system where you have to bring up bring witnesses to argue your case to contend your case to prove uh, to the judge and to the to, to the to the legal system that you need to be justified and here we see the bible through uh, the bible uh, uh, god speaking through prophet isaiah he's saying that let them bring forth their witnesses that they may be justified isaiah 43:25 says i even i am he this is, this is God speaking. I even I am he that blotted out their transgression for my own sake. And let me pause there and tell you. Look at that as a portion of scripture. He says, I am the one who removes sins, transgressions there for my own sake. So God removed sin in our lives for his own sake. He had to bring his son as the sacrifice for his own sake. That's why I keep on saying he did not consult us. It was for his own sake. He does things for his own pleasure. Never forget that. God does things for his own pleasure. And the Bible says, and will not remember thy, thy sin. This is the, in the Old Covenant, in the Old Testament. He's saying, I will, I will blot out your transgression for my own sake, and I will not remember your sin. In other words, God in the Old Testament had a habit of having amnesia when it comes to sin and verse 6, 26 says put me in remembrance let us plead together declare thou that thy, thou may be justified put me in remembrance that you may be justified and this is a prophecy of the old testament isaiah 23 isaiah 43 verse 25 is a prophecy of the of the new testament he's saying i will blot out thy transgression he did that on jesus for my own sake and will not remember thy sin in the new covenant he has promised in hebrews 8 that he will not remember our sin no more and now he's saying put me in remembrance let us plead together declare that you may be justified he's saying put me in remembrance keep reminding me so to speak about who, about the sacrifice of my son that you may be justified so we see here justification is what he did on the cross what the son did on the cross put me in remembrance let's plead together that you may be justified
Lastly, Isaiah 43 from verse number 23. It says, I have sown by myself. The word is gone out of my mouth. This is God speaking in righteousness and shall not return. That unto me every knee shall bow and every tongue shall swear. Surely shall one say, in the Lord have I righteousness and strength. Even to him shall men come and all that are incensed against him shall be ashamed. In the Lord shall all the seed of Israel be justified and shall glory. Let me back it up to verse number 23. He says, and I've sown by myself, the word is gone out of my, my, my mouth in righteousness and shall not return. That unto me every knee shall bow. Every knee shall bow. Every tongue shall confess. This again is talking about the new covenant. Let me show you where. Philippians 2.5. It says, Let this man be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no repetition, repetition and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself, talking about Jesus, and became obedient unto death and, 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 and even to the cross. Wherefore, God has highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. Remember what you read in Isaiah 43? He says that every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess. And now here we see in Philippians uh, 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 2 verse number 9 that God has highly exalted Jesus and given him a name that is above every name that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven, of things in earth and things under the earth. Powerful. So justification can only be through the sacrifice of Jesus. So in the Old Testament, we see justification could only come through the Lord alone. That's the doctrine of justification by faith is important, paramount in the New Testament. Let us look at justification in the New Testament. Remember, I say justification is God declaring you to be okay, to be acquitted. That is God. The fact that he has spoken by his mouth, he has justified you. Now, you, your action of agreeing with what he has done is now walking in, in righteousness. That is why he says, you are not, you are not, um, you are not a sinner. And I stand on the account of what Jesus did and I say, I have the righteousness of God. Because he has removed guilt and shame. And now I have his righteousness. Justification is God declaring you to be right. So let us look at justification in the New Testament. And for us to understand the doctrine of salvation, I would highly recommend in your spare time that you go through the book of Romans, chapter number 4 and chapter number 5. I would really recommend you read Romans 4 and Romans 5 so that you can understand the doctrine of salvation. It's very important. So let us look at what the New Testament says concerning justification. Romans 4, verse number 24, the Bible says, But for us also, to whom it shall be imputed, if we believe on him that raised up Jesus our Lord from the, from the dead, who was delivered for our offenses, and was raised again for our justification. 
he was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. Powerful scripture. It tells us that Jesus, our Lord Jesus Christ, who was raised from the dead, was delivered for our sin. He died for our sin. He was delivered for our offenses. He died for our sin. The root word offenses there means to side sleep or to deviate. Remember, man had deviated from fellowship with God in Genesis. Adam had deviated from fellowship and union with God. Sin separated man from God. Jesus united man with God. So who was delivered for our side sleep, for our deviation, and was raised again for our justification. So if he died on the cross alone without raising up from the dead, we, he had already paid for our offenses. He had already paid for sin. But God had to do another thing, another important thing of raising him from the dead. Why? So that we can be better than Adam. So that we can be new creation in Christ Jesus. So he says, who was delivered of our offenses and was raised up again for our justification. He raised him up so that what the devil stole in Adam, now that you and I are joint heirs with Christ, he cannot take it. He cannot swindle you like he swindled Adam in the Old Testament. Why? You are joined together with him. The Bible says he was delivered for our offenses and was raised up for our justification. The fact that he rose from the dead is a proof that now me and you have been declared right. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Now, our union with Christ was made complete, like I've said, the moment Jesus rose from the dead. We were justified. We were acquitted by his resurrection. So if he never resurrected, we will not be justified. We will not be made righteous. That is why it is important for you to understand why he rose again, why he died. He died because of sin. Man sinned. And the penalty of sin is death. The wages of sin is death. Romans tells us the wages of sin is death. So he had to die. Like where we read in uh, Romans 4.24, who was delivered for our offenses. He was killed for our offenses. Why was he buried? He was buried because only a human being can be buried. A spirit cannot be buried. He was buried to fulfill his human uh, 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 his human ministry, the humanity side of Jesus. He had to be buried for it to be legal that he was a, a human being, God in the flesh. But now he rose up, hallelujah, because we needed to be justified. We needed to be, uh, to be his righteousness. We needed to be the first, among the firstborn. We needed to be the new creation. So if anybody asks you, why did Jesus die for our offenses, for our side sleeps, for our deviation? Why was he buried? Because only a human being can be buried. You can't bury a spirit. That was to prove to people that he was indeed God. He, sorry, he was indeed man. And why did he have to rise up so that you and I 
can have the seal of justification, the seal of righteousness, the gift of the Holy Ghost, and more so that you and I can now become the new creation in Christ Jesus. I love what the Apostle Paul says in Romans 3.21, but now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and prophets. Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ. So we see here there's a righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ. Unto all and upon all of them that believe. So the requirement is to believe, to have faith in the righteousness of God. And then he says, for there is no difference. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Verse 24 says, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. We have been freely justified by his grace. Like I've said, maybe in one of the teachings, salvation cannot be alone without grace, without faith, and without uh, uh, justification. All these components constitute what we call salvation. He says, being justified freely. In other words, no corruptible object could buy justification. Only his grace can justify you. Grace basically means unmerited favor. Grace means what you are not able to do, I will do for you even the more. So he says, being justified freely by his grace, through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, through the redemption, through the buying back that is in Christ Jesus, through the buying back that is in Christ Jesus, now his grace has justified you. That is powerful. We shall be looking at grace. We shall be looking at redemption. All of these are constitutes of salvation. The Bible continues to say, who God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood. Propitiation means a place of wrath. So we can basically say who God had set forth to be a place where he will pour his wrath into. The wrath that he felt when man missed out. So Jesus is the appeasing of God's wrath. Write that in your heart. Jesus is the appeasing of God's wrath. Mm -hmm. Let's continue. The Bible says, Who God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness for the remission of sin that are past, that are past, that are past. So, past tense of salvation is since there is a remission of sins powerful we shall continue looking at that and then he says verse 26 to declare i say at this time his righteousness that he might be just he might be just and the justifier of him who believes in jesus so i am justified when i just believe in jesus i am only justified when i believe in jesus Paul continues to say in verse 27, where is the boasting then? It is excluded. By what? By what? By, by what law? Of works? Nay, but by the law of faith. What is the law of faith? Verse 28 tells us, 
Therefore, we conclude that a man is justified. He is acquitted. He is declared to be righteous by faith without the deeds of the law. So there is nothing you can do to justify yourself. You are justified by faith. You are justified by faith. Therefore, we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. We are justified, like I've said, declared righteous at the moment of our salvation. Justification does not make us righteous, but rather pronounces us righteous. Let me repeat it again. Justification does not make you righteous, but rather it pronounces you righteous. Our righteousness comes from placing our faith in the finished works of Jesus. His sacrifice pays our sins allowing God to see us as perfect and unblemished. Because as believers, we are now in Christ. God sees Christ's own righteousness when he looks at us. He's, he's, he, he, when he looks at me and you, he sees Jesus' righteousness. This, 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 this particularly meets God's demand for perfection. Thus, he declares us righteous. He justifies us. Let me repeat it again, because I'm enjoying that point. He say, I, I want to read it for you. Justification does not make us righteous, but rather pronounces us righteous. Our righteousness comes from placing our faith in the finished works of Jesus. His sacrifice pays our sins, allowing God to see us as perfect and unblemished, because as believers, we are in Christ Jesus. And now God sees us as he sees his son's righteousness. This meets God's demand for perfection. And so we are righteous and we are justified. And that's why Romans 5 verse number 1 says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God. And I want to speak to people who are still wondering how are we going to navigate this challenge that we are facing. Is God angry? Uh, is he allowing this to happen because he, he's angry or so? Look at what the Bible is saying. All the answers that we can ever ask are in the Bible. Romans 5.1 Therefore, being made righteous, being, being declared justified, declared righteous, Therefore, being justified by faith, not by your works, not by praying, and it's very good to pray, not by fasting, and it's very good to fast, not by reading the word, and it's very good to read the word, but I am justified by faith, not by what I do. I am justified by faith. By the fact that now I know I am justified by faith, guess what? I have peace with God. Peace means that me and God are tight. We are buddies. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So what used to make God angry in the Old Testament, for lack of a better word, which we shall be looking at, we shall be looking at the wrath of God, what it means to, to, to what, what the wrath of God means, what used to be the wrath of God in the Old Testament. Guess what? It has been punished on Jesus. 
And if you, you and I keep on saying that now we're experiencing COVID-19 because God is angry, it basically means that he never punished Jesus. He punished Jesus for the sins of the world, for the sins of all the billion, uh, seven billion people plus. He punished it on Jesus. And now I have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. When I go to my father in prayer, I am going to a peaceful home. I am going to face a peaceful father because of the sacrifice of his son. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in the hope of our God, of the glory of God. This is what makes me stand, that I am justified by faith. I have peace with God. And it gives me access, verse number two, it gives me access by faith to this grace that makes me stand. So in other words, it doesn't matter what people are going through and it doesn't matter what you may go through in your life. Remember, you are justified by faith. Not because you have a car, not because you have a house, not because you have this and that. And those things are nice. They make it comfortable for us to, be, to live. But just know you're justified by faith. Now you have peace with God. You are justified by faith. You have peace with God. And that should be your mantra. That should be your heartbeat. I am justified by faith. Wherever the devil wants to bring fear in your mind, fear in your heart, fear concerning what will happen tomorrow, fear concerning what will happen if they extend the lockdown and so on and so forth, just settle in your heart. I am justified, made righteous by just believing in Jesus Christ. And now I have peace with God. I love what Jesus said, my peace, peace I live with you, my peace, the peace that the world cannot give you. I give you my peace. Receive the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. May it garrison your heart and mind through Christ Jesus. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand. Oh, glory to God. We, we, we are justified by his faith. Oh, when I believe in Jesus, when I believe in what he did on his death, burial, and resurrection, when I believe, when I receive, when I receive the life, the eternal one, when I receive Jesus, when I receive the life giver, when I receive the one who loved me to the point of death, I am justified by faith. My belief, what Jesus requires of me, what the Father requires of me, what the Holy Ghost requires of me is just to believe. Oh, to believe that he died for me. He was buried for me. He rose up for me. We were buried together, Romans 6, 6. We, we, we died together, we were buried together, and we rose together. When I believe that, I am justified by faith. And now I have peace with God. Peace like a river. So could you be there and you're wondering, you're lacking peace. Oh, run with this word that I'm justified by faith. I have peace with God. I have peace with God. I have peace. God is no longer angry with me. God is no longer angry with me. Please tell yourself that three times, that God is no longer angry with me. God is no longer angry with me. God is no longer angry with me. I have peace with God. But pastor, you don't know that yesterday I messed up, I lied. 
uh, the other day i took someone's money the other other day I, I i i looked at a woman i looked at a man pastor you don't know these things now let me tell you something god does not wait for you to style up so that he can justify you god is waiting for you to accept christ in your heart that you may be justified by faith and that you may experience the peace that comes with that and then you will have access by faith into this grace wherein you can stand when the world is looking for fake peace peace is jesus when the world is facing chaos i want to tell you the storm karma is called jesus when you don't know what to do in this period the bible tells me looking unto jesus hebrews hebrews tells us looking unto jesus hebrews 12 and verse number three looking unto jesus the order and the finisher of our faith for the joy that was set before him he endured the cross despising the shame oh glory to god i pray in this season may you may you experience peace peace i speak peace over your finances peace over your family members peace in your heart peace in your mind oh if you have not been sleeping well may you sleep like a baby oh may you sleep like a baby don't worry the bible says jesus speaking how many of you through your worry can add a cubit of of inch in your hair worry does not do anything it actually reduces you don't worry do you know that when we got into this situation god knew how to sustain his people how to keep his people and he knows the end of all these things so i pray for you by the leading of the holy spirit receive the peace of god that surpasses all understanding may it garrison your heart and your mind don't put your trust in money don't put your trust in the president don't put your trust in the politicians don't put your trust in who put your trust in jesus have peace may you experience peace as you travel to go to your business don't don't be worried whether you'll catch this disease just experience peace i have come that you may have life and have it more abundantly those are the words of jesus in john 10 10 experience the peace of god that surpasses all understanding may it garrison your heart and your mind through christ jesus in jesus name Amen.